Hello and welcome to the Let It Ride podcast coming at you on a Wednesday morning. The NFL season is fast approaching. In fact, we are just two weeks away from the start of the NFL preseason. The Hall of Fame game is in just 15 days, so uh, summer is whizzing by, but we have football on the horizon. We're talking overrated and underrated storylines today. This is actually an episode that I hope to record with a couple of guests. In fact, I tried to record with a couple of guests. Uh, Josh Walker and Lee Ice joined me a couple of nights ago, and uh, we talked through all these storylines. Unfortunately, there is something going on with the platform that I record on um, whenever I have guests on. The audio is coming up pretty distorted. I have guests getting kicked from the record room, so I really have to figure out what's going on with that, but uh, glass being half full, I got to chop it up with my buddies about football for about an hour the other night. So that was a lot of fun. But as it is, for the purposes of this episode, we are now going to record it solo. As I said, three overrated storylines, three underrated storylines, a future bet tied in with each one of those storylines. So hopefully going to align your pockets with this podcast. My first overrated storyline is Aaron Rodgers going to the New York Jets. And all of a sudden, everyone just penciling in the Jets as a Super Bowl contender. I'm not sure why people are assuming that we're getting MVP Aaron Rodgers and not the Aaron Rodgers that we just saw last year. Uh, Moving him behind a worse offensive line. I think he had a better offensive line in Green Bay than he has uh, with the Jets. Being a year older in a better division in the better conference. When you look at Rodgers' numbers last year, he threw the most interceptions that he's thrown since his first year as a starter. Had his highest interception percentage since his first year as a starter. Had the lowest yards per attempt of his career. The worst QBR of his career. The worst QB rating of his career. I talked about the offensive lines. Uh, The Jets were 23rd in pressure rate allowed, 15th in sack rate. When you look at the Packers, they were 9th in pressure allowed, 7th in sack rate. Now, I know a lot of that has to do with the fact that Zach Wilson held on to the ball too long, and he really brought those numbers down. But I think there also is more talent on the Packers offensive line than there is on the Jets. I'm also really uh, kind of cautious about this perception that Rodgers is all of a sudden going to turn Garrett Wilson into the Devontae Adams. I think we need to pump the brakes on that as well. Uh, Devontae Adams is a damn good receiver with or without Aaron Rodgers. In fact, if last year told us anything, it's that Aaron Rodgers needed Devontae Adams more than Devontae Adams needed Aaron Rodgers. The Raiders' success neither here nor there. Devontae Adams had a stellar season last year. In fact, he had one of his best games of the year. I think it was 200 yards and two touchdowns, uh, double-digit catches against the 49ers, the best defense in the league, with Jarrett Stidham at quarterback. So this thing like, oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers can just turn any great receiver into Devontae Adams. I think that's doing a great disservice to Devontae Adams. I think Garrett Wilson is a fine receiver. Uh, He's not Devontae Adams. I went back through history, too, uh, just back to the point of why people are assuming that they're getting MVP Rodgers and not the Rodgers that we just saw. It's pretty rare to see a quarterback regress and then regain his form. Usually, especially when it's due to age, usually once you see a guy start to decline, he doesn't just snap back and get it again. Now, I know that we saw uh, Peyton Manning kind of have that resurgence in Denver, but that was a year lost to injury. I don't think that was really the same thing. The two examples that I found uh, were Randall Cunningham with the 1998 Vikings and Kurt Warner uh, with the 2007 and 2008 Cardinals when he took that team to the Super Bowl. Now, with Kurt Warner, it's actually kind of fascinating because he had like five, six years 
of really, really uh, like just being on the decline after those great years with the Rams before finding success again with the Cardinals. Uh, the pushback I'm going to have there is uh, Randall Cunningham had two of the top 10 receivers of all time in Randy Moss and Chris Carter. Uh, Kurt Warner had Larry Fitzgerald, who I have as the fourth best receiver of all time. And during that playoff run in 2007, I've never seen the wide receiver position played better than I saw for that four-game stretch with Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, like I said, Garrett Wilson's a, a great player. He's not Devontae Adams. He's not Larry Fitzgerald. He's not Randy Moss or Chris Carter. He's a good receiver. And I think this Jets team could potentially be decent. But like I said, they're in a loaded AFC East going up against the Buffalo Bills, who everyone just remembers the last thing they saw. And everyone's like, oh, they were fool's gold. They were fake. They got blown out by the Bengals in the playoffs. Let's not forget this Bills team was the number one ranked offense and the number one ranked defense for a lot of last season. After week one, when they completely obliterated the Rams on opening night, a lot of people were just like, oh, it's over. Hand the Bills the trophy. That team looked unbeatable for stretches of last year. And Josh Allen had an elbow injury last year and kind of, I don't think was ever really the same again. And you could really see it with that Bills team. So I'm not just going to write them off. I think they're still easily the best team in that division, arguably the best team in the conference. I think they have the best roster for sure. Um, yes, that is including the Kansas City Chiefs. I think this Bills team is absolutely loaded. Then you go to the Miami Dolphins. They add Jalen Ramsey to that team. Uh, Devin Achain a speedster in the draft. They add him to two of the fastest players in the league and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. If they can get a healthy year out of Tua Tungavailoa, this Miami team could be a Super Bowl contender. And then I think you have a tier of the Jets and the Patriots. Uh, let's not write off the Patriots either. I think this Patriots defense could be really, really good next year. I think Ramon J. Stevenson is going to have a big year there in New England. And you add a real offensive coordinator, which New England didn't have last year and still won eight games. So you add Bill O'Brien, whatever you think of him, he's actually called NFL offense before, which is something that the Patriots didn't have last year. So all those things being considered, I think this AFC East is loaded. The Jets could be a good team. Uh, they could they could be in contention for the playoffs, but I think there is huge value in the Jets to miss the playoffs at plus 110. I waffle back and forth with going over and under the season win total. The season win total sitting at nine and a half wins, but you're getting plus 110 to miss the playoffs. And I really think in the AFC, you could see a team win 10 games and miss the playoffs. So I think you're getting a lot of value here with the plus 110 for the Jets to miss the playoffs. Another reason I didn't want to play the season win total at nine and a half is that teams in the AFC this year they get an extra home game on top of just being the better conference than the NFC. If this Jets team was in the NFC, they would hands down 100% be a playoff team. They're in the AFC East. You put them in the NFC South, they're likely the division favorite. But as it is, they're in a loaded AFC East. And I am not very optimistic on their chances to succeed in this division. Um, back to my point, I was getting at the extra game for the AFC. That's going to skew my win total bets for every AFC team on top of the fact that they are the better conference. And when they added the 17th game to the schedule, they essentially made it a interconference game. You play a corresponding division, whatever, like if you finish first place, you play the first place team in one of the other divisions in the other conference. So every AFC team is getting an extra home game against an NFC team. I think that's in a lot of cases, considering that they're a better conference, that's going to add an extra win to the to these schedules of the AFC team. So I did not see the value in the 
over under nine and a half wins for the Jets. But like I said, plus 110 to miss the playoffs. I am definitely playing that one. I'm also playing the under on all of Aaron Rodgers' props. Under 3,950 yards, under 28 and a half touchdowns. Those are totals that he did not hit last year. And that was starting 17 games. I know Rodgers has not missed a start in the last five years, but he has been nicked. He has been injured. And just counting on a 40-year-old quarterback to play all 17 games, I'm going to take that value there too. And I'm going to play the under on both his yardage and his touchdown props. Now, I don't want to completely crap on Aaron Rodgers and say, oh, this is just going to be like Russell Wilson to the Broncos. It really seems like there's there's no gray area with what people's perception of what Rodgers could be with the Jets is. It's either, oh, he's going to be Tom Brady to the Buccaneers, or, oh, he's going to be Russell Wilson to the Broncos. It's either going to be awesome or it's going to be a disaster. I think it's going to fall in the middle. I think this team wins eight nine, maybe 10 games. Uh, I'm just counting on the AFC being really good and, and hoping that I cash this ticket on them to miss the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. I don't think it's going to be a complete disaster either. Uh, Rodgers, Josh made a good point uh, in the episode that we recorded and lost the audio for. He made a good point. He said that Rodgers was not locked in last year. And I will see that he's going to be more locked in to start the year with the Jets than he was last year with the Packers. But down the stretch, as soon as it became apparent that the Packers could go on a win streak and make the playoffs, you cannot tell me that Aaron Rodgers was locked in. You cannot tell me that in Week 18 in Lambeau Field against the Lions, a chance to make the playoffs, that Aaron Rodgers just wasn't locked in. That him not being at OTA somehow affected his performance in Week 18. He did not have it last year. In fact, look at both games against the Lions last year. One of the worst defenses in the league. A team that Rodgers has just owned throughout his entire career. When I say that we're not looking at the same guy, you could just look at those two games against uh, two losses to the Lions in which the Packers scored a combined 25 points, so 12.5 points per game. Rodgers threw four interceptions and lost to the Lions at home in Lambeau. I and with a chance to make the playoffs on the line, too. And Rodgers saw the landscape of that NFC playoff picture. And going into that Sunday night game that closed out the season, the Packers needed to win to make the playoffs. The Lions had nothing to play for. The, the storylines were, man, if, if Rodgers can sneak into the playoffs, look at this NFC. They can make a run. Rodgers knew that. He was locked in for that game, and he still lost. I don't think he's the same guy. I think this Jets team will be better than they were last year. It's hard not to be if you upgrade even a little bit over Zach Wilson, that team is going to be better. But I don't think that necessarily means you're going to get the same performance from that defense or the same performance from that running game. Uh, Brees Hall is a guy that I really like, but he's coming off of a serious injury. I don't know if he's going to be the same guy to start the year. Uh, Maybe year two will be better. Uh, We'll see what Rodgers looks like. I just, I I don't see it for this team. So um, I'm just going to be fading the Jets this year, Uh, at least to a degree. Like I said, I don't think they're going to be a disaster, but I don't think they're going to be the Super Bowl contender that a lot of other people think they're going to be. Uh, That is going to move us on to our second overrated storyline. And that is the Cincinnati Bengals being installed as an overwhelming favorite uh, to win the AFC North. Right now they are plus 125 to win that division. And this this narrative that they quote-unquote fixed their offensive line, uh, I am pushing back on that and I am pushing back pretty hard. Uh, One of the benefits that I have to having a a decent number of Twitter followers is that I get to talk to people from every fan base. Um, Every Chiefs fan that I talk to, and there's a lot of them on Twitter, I promise you, at least I've, I've personally just chatted with at least two dozen of them. Every single one of them. Well, you know, what's the part of your team you don't uh, don't like? Orlando Brown Jr. Every Chiefs fan that I talked to did not mind seeing that dude leave. And that just tells you everything that you need to know. Uh, this is a team that won the Super Bowl last year. 
So they're a good roster. So being the, you know, being the problem on the Super Bowl team, it, you know, maybe not be the worst thing in the world. But the Bengals are expecting this guy to just come in and fix their offensive line the same way they expected Leo Collins from my Cowboys to come in and fix their offensive line. And when you talk to Cowboys fans last year, a lot of us were not very upset to see him go. Uh, you know, a lot of holding penalties, a lot of false starts. The Bengals started to see that themselves. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr. is an average offensive tackle. He's not enough better than Jonah Williams for me to say that, oh yeah, the Bengals just completely fixed their offensive line. The Bengals keep trying to put a band-aid over this and they're not going about it the right way. Uh, since drafting Joe Burrow number one overall, the Bengals have made 11 top 100 picks in the NFL draft. They have spent one of them on an offensive lineman. They keep signing free agents and just like taking cast offs from other teams and just hoping it's going to fix their offensive line. And it hasn't worked. Joe Burrow is still constantly under pressure. Now to Joe Burrow's credit, um, he started to realize that he wasn't going to get the protection. He just changed the way he played. He started getting the ball out quicker. He just stopped getting sacked and he was playing incredible. Um, I think you could see Joe Burrow do that again, have an MVP level season. He is a great quarterback, but I'm not going to sit here and say that the Bengals don't have a problem with their offensive line anymore just because they sound Orlando Brown Jr. And I'm not going to sit here and say that they should be an overwhelming favorite to win this division. When you look at the Baltimore Ravens, who have been running away with this division two years in a row and have only lost it because of an, a Lamar Jackson injury. I think they were 8-3 and three each of the last two years. And like I said, running away with the division. Lamar Jackson goes down at the end of the last two seasons, and that's all she wrote. The team just goes in the toilet without Lamar Jackson. Now, you can sit here and call Lamar Jackson injury prone. I think there's a little bit of bad luck involved with it as well. And now you add to it, he has receivers like he's never had before. He's going to be throwing to Odell Beckham Jr. I really like Zay Flowers as well. Uh, I think this Ravens team could be really good. Uh, if anything, I feel like the Ravens sitting at plus 250, the Bengals at plus 125. I feel like those numbers should be closer to each other. So I think there's huge value in the Ravens at plus 250. The other, other two teams in this division, uh, nothing to sneeze at. That's another point that Josh brought up when we talked about this the other night. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers still have Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin still never had a losing season. Uh, the Cleveland Browns are really hoping to get something from Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson can be 90% of what he was before, that team will be better this year. Um, I'm not holding my breath. Like I said, you rarely see quarterbacks regress and then just all of a sudden come back. And yes, I know he regressed because he was rusty. I'm just not sure that NFL football is something like riding a bike that you can just get back to it. Um, I think that time off could be really damaging to him. I'm not sure that he's ever going to get it back. Uh, we shall see. Character-wise, uh, he's an easy guy to root against, so uh, I won't be hoping for it. But you know, it's it's definitely something that still could happen. But I, as I, as I said, I am playing the Ravens at plus two fifty to win this division. I think Lamar has a healthy season. I think you see him get back to that MVP level. I think this Ravens team is going to be really good. They're starting to build that defense. That trade for Roquan Smith was huge. They know what their identity has been when they've had these great teams. It's been about that defense. They're trying to get back to that, and they're building it back up. I really like this Ravens defense. They're finally giving Lamar some weapons. I like the direction this team is going, and I think they should be at least co-favorites with the Bengals. Definitely not double the odds at plus 250, so I'm grabbing that value all day. The Ravens plus 250 to win the AFC North.
my third and final overrated storyline. Not really an overrated storyline, just kind of two overrated teams. Uh, the Vikings and Giants both coming off of playoff seasons. Obviously, fans of these teams are thinking, oh, we got to the playoffs last year. This is really something we can build on. And these teams very well could be better football teams than they were last year. Their records are not going to be better. Uh, the Giants were 9-4-1 in one-score games last year. 0-4. In non-one-score games. The Minnesota Vikings, 11-1 and one in one-score games. By the way, that one loss to the Giants in the playoffs. 11-1 uh, and one in one-score games. 2-3 um, and three in non-one-score games. So when, when you break it down, they were 25-1 and one in one-score games combined. 2-7 and seven in non-one-score games. I like both of these teams to miss the playoffs at plus 155. This one's pretty straightforward. Uh, you're not going to have that same luck in one-score games again. I know that a lot of it had to do with clutch performances, Justin Jefferson with that ridiculous catch against the Bills. But if you play that game 10 times, the Bills are going to win it, I'd say, 7 or 8. The Vikings got incredibly lucky to win a lot of the games that they won. And the games they looked bad, they looked really bad. We saw them get blown out by the Eagles, by the Cowboys last year. We saw them look really bad against the the Giants in the playoffs, particularly on defense. I know the Vikings offense was looking pretty good, but both defenses in that game looked really bad. Um, I just think you're going to see both of these teams regress a little bit. I don't think you can keep up that level of play in one-score games. And I talked about the extra games, um, the extra game that got added to the schedule. So you've always played every first-place team in your conference. You now play an extra first-place. So you play an entire conference, interconference schedule. You play, like, the NFC North will play the AFC West or whatever. So you still play the entire interconference division. You also have another first-place team added to your schedule. So the extra games that the Giants have to play, excuse me, that the Vikings have to play this year are at Bengals, at Eagles, home for the 49ers. Uh, everybody's high on the Lions, thinks that they're going to win this division this year. And I think that is the, the right way to go. Um, I know that a lot of times these hyped up teams kind of fall flat on their face. But when you look at this division, when you look at the fact that the Lions are going to be playing that easier schedule, outside of those three games, the Vikings and Lions schedules are identical. But when you're talking about an extra game against the Bengals, the Lions don't have to play. At the Eagles, the Lions don't have to play. Home against the 49ers, the Lions don't have to play. I think the Vikings are at a serious disadvantage. Now, the one thing that I am a little bit weary of is the fact that this is the NFC and there is kind of that extra wild card spot up for grabs. Um, there's not that I can if you go down the list of teams, I really like the 49ers. I like the Seahawks. I like the Cowboys. I like the Eagles. You're going to have the Lions and then someone's going to have to win the NFC South. And then there's that one extra wild card spot kind of up for grabs and the Vikings are going to be in that mix but I think there's enough other good teams in that mix I think you could see the Falcons and Saints a division we're going to talk about here in a little bit I think you can see both of those teams contending uh, for a wild card spot as well so I feel pretty comfortable here Vikings to miss the playoffs Giants to miss the playoffs parlay those together on FanDuel they're paying out at plus 155 that's a bet that I really like and this is something, too, that the Vikings front office was kind of aware of as well. We saw them unloading some of their veteran players. Uh, not something you generally see a team that went 13-4 and four and won their division. Not generally something that you would see a team that just accomplished that do. But I think they kind of saw the writing on the wall. They knew that their record was kind of fool's gold. And they're making some moves for the future. And it's, you know, they're moves that I like. But for this year, I think they are going to lend themselves to the Vikings. Not being, or not having as good of a record, I'll say as I did last year. That is going to move us on to underrated storylines, and we are going to start 
with the San Francisco 49ers there in the NFC West. The fact that they are starting the season with Sam Darnold at quarterback, I think is just being completely swept under the rug and not talked about everyone. Just like, oh, Kyle Shanahan, he can just win with any quarterback. It doesn't matter. He has those great skill players. And right now the 49ers are an overwhelming favorite to win that division. I think they're odds on favor right now. They're, I think, minus like minus 150. And I'm, or it might be even higher than that. And I'm just pumping my brakes on that one. I think this is a two-team race in this division because you have the Rams who, you know, kind of just sold their soul for that Super Bowl. And good for you, you got the Super Bowl, but now it's time to pay the Piper. They have no draft picks. They have a lot of overpaid uh, aging players. And they had to get rid of Jalen Ramsey this year too. So I think that that team is obviously going to be pretty bad. And of course, the Cardinals are one of the worst teams in the league. So this is a two-team race there in the NFC West. It's going to be the 49ers and it's going to be the Seattle Seahawks. And I really think this should be, just like I talked about with the Bengals and the Ravens, I think 49ers Seahawks should be a more neck-and-neck race. I I think they they should be closer to even uh, to win this division. Like I said, you have the 49ers starting the season with Sam Darnold at quarterback. And even if you sit here and say, oh, well, it's just going to be for a couple weeks and then Brock Purdy is going to come back and it's going to be fine. Like, really? Like, that's, that's your savior, Brock Purdy? I know that he had this 49ers offense humming last year, and he looked good. It was six games. He's still a virtually undrafted player. He was the last pick in the draft. I just And he has that ligament damage to his elbow. It's just going to miraculously heal. He couldn't even move his arm in the NFC Championship game last year. We're just going to expect that guy to just come back nine months later and be totally fine. I just don't see it. Uh, the one thing that I think could throw a wrench in this, by the way, my bet, uh, for this one is going to be to play the Seattle to win the division. I actually got it at plus 220 a few weeks ago. It's now down to plus 200. So this is a bet that the Sharps are on with me. You see the money kind of kind of coming in on Seattle. When you see early early line movement like this, it's it's not generally the public moving it. Like when you see a line move, you know, on a Sunday morning, it could it could be because oh the public's pouring money on this team. Maybe you go the other way. When you see bets coming in this early, it's generally somebody somebody with some money, somebody with a bankroll, professional gambler that knows what they're doing. Uh, move this line. It's now Seattle plus two hundred. So I think there's some smart money coming in on Seattle, and for all the right reasons. The one thing that scares me off of this bet is Trey Lance. If Trey Lance can come out of nowhere and be what he was supposed to be, this 49ers team could be absolutely dynamic and they could be a Super Bowl contender. I don't trust Sam Darnold. I still don't trust Brock Purdy and his elbow. Trey Lance scares me. I will 100% admit. And regardless of who's the quarterback, when you look at the landscape of this division and of the NFC, even if the 49ers don't win the division, they'll likely still snag a wild card spot. But I really like what the Seattle team has done the last couple of drafts and free agency. Uh, last year in the draft, we saw them completely fix their offensive line in one fell swoop. They draft Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas in that draft. They grabbed Kenneth Walker in that draft. Uh, we saw them get Tariq Woolen. He's one of the best corners in the league now last year. Uh, those guys all entering year two looking to make leaps. And then this year they go out, they add Jackson Smith and Jigba. I thought he was the best receiver in this draft class. They had Devin Witherspoon to go with Teron Woolen, uh, excuse me, Tariq Woolen, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs. Uh, they bring Bobby Wagner back. I really like Jordan Brooks, Jaron Reed. I, this defense is going to be much, much better than it was la- last year. Uh, like I said, Jackson Smith and Jigbo, you add him to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Geno Smith, who made a huge leap last year, and I think it's sustainable. A lot of people are saying that oh, Geno Smith was just kind of a one-hit wonder. He's going to be 
go back to being what he was. I really think that he's found his groove. Geno Smith has always had arm talent, even when things weren't working out uh, with the Jets. You could you could still see him making the throws, and uh, I just feel like Pete Carroll has put him in a position to succeed, and I really like this Seahawks team, and I feel like they should not be plus 200 to win their division. They were plus 220, like I said, a few weeks ago. I still feel like plus 200 is still really good value. Um, I talked about this being a two-horse race in the NFC West, and in a two-horse race in a division, a lot of the times, it's going to come down to head-to-head matchups. And when you look at the head-to-head matchups that we have for the 49ers and the Seahawks this year, they have a head-to-head on Thanksgiving night in Seattle. So that's going to be on short rest. That situation always favors the home team. You rarely see Thursday night games uh, with with road teams winning. So Seattle has a huge advantage there playing at home on short rest. Then they play two weeks later at San Francisco. Seattle's going to be coming off of 10 days rest. After that Thursday night game, they play the Cowboys the next Thursday night. So San Francisco has to go to Seattle on short rest. Seattle gets to go to San Francisco with three extra days rest. On top of that, San Francisco is going to be coming off of a game against the defending NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles, which uh, if you look at the way that they left the last time they played the Eagles, it was not good. It left, you know, they left it with Christian McCaffrey throwing flailing passes and not having a working quarterback on the field. So I think this is lining up really well for the Seattle Seahawks to win this division. This is actually still my favorite future bet on the board. I love, love, love Seattle to win the NFC West at plus 200. My second underrated storyline is the New Orleans Saints right now. They are a plus 135 favorite to win the NFC South. But if you listen to a lot of pundits, a lot of podcasts like mine that are talking about this division, most of them are talking about the Falcons. Everyone loves the Falcons to win this division. Oh, it's a bad division. The Falcons are going to win this division. Some people are picking the Panthers as a dark horse. If nobody likes the Saints... Why are they plus 135 to win this division? It really feels like Vegas knows something is up here, and I am right there with them in lockstep. Uh, they're not in the in the business of giving away money. So if all these teams are pouring money on the Falcons, on the Panthers, why are the Saints still the overwhelming favorite? It's because Vegas likes their position, and I like it as well. When you look at this team, um, offensive coordinator turnover in the NFL. 25 of the 32 offensive coordinators in the NFL have been hired within the last two years. Pete Carmichael has been the Saints offensive coordinator since 2009. He has as many years with the Saints as the rest of the NFC coordinators combined with their teams. So he's entering his 15th year. The rest of the NFC coordinators combined have 15 years experience with their teams. I know a lot of people love to credit what this Saints offense was all through the last decade. They love the credit to Sean Payton. Sean Payton didn't find his groove until Pete Carmichael became his offensive coordinator. If you look at the three seasons that Payton had without Carmichael, the Saints were 25 and 23 with just one playoff appearance, one playoff win. In the 12 years with Carmichael, the Saints were 127 and 66, nine playoff wins, including a Super Bowl title. Um, If you look at the five best seasons, that the, the Saints have had in the last 20 years offensively, all of them were with Pete Carmichael as their offensive coordinator. 
Um, now you give Carmichael the best quarterback that he's had since Drew Brees. The Saints defense was eighth in DVOA last year, fifth in total defense, ninth in points allowed. Chris Olave, I think, had an incredibly underrated season last year. If you're able to get absolutely anything at all from Michael Thomas, uh, this that could be a very dynamic duo. Jawan Johnson at at tight end. I like this offensive line. Ryan Ramchek, Trevor Penning, they have two solid tackles. Uh, Andrus Pete, Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz decent enough across the interior. Now, I know this defense, a lot of people saying that they might take a step back. We shall see. I know Cameron Jordan had a down year last year, but I really like Peyton Turner. I think Peyton Turner could take that starting job from Cameron Jordan this year. And you're going to see Peyton Turner get on the field quite a bit anyway. Cameron Jordan getting a little bit long in the two series. You're going to see more of a rotation. Uh, the loss of Marcus Davenport does hurt, but you still have Pete Warner, Demario Davis, Zach Bond. I love this linebacker crew, and this secondary. I think this is the most underrated secondary in the league, particularly Paulson Adebo. Nobody ever talks about Paulson Adebo. I think he is a solid corner. Marshawn Lattimore had a down year last year. He should be able to bounce back. Bradley Roby there in the slot. Tyron Matthew, Marcus May. Uh, This is one of my favorite defenses in the league. Uh, Derek Carr is the best quarterback that Pete Carmichael has had since Drew Brees. I think he's hands down very, very easily the best quarterback in this division. In fact, I don't think that there is an NFC quarterback that you can just unequivocally hands down say, oh, yep, he's better than Derek Carr. Now, I don't think Derek Carr is the best quarterback in the NFC. Now, I'm still going to take Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott over him. But after that, I mean, that might be it. Uh, Derek Carr is coming into a situation where he's going to be the better quarterback on the field for a lot of his games this year. I think it's a good spot for him. He's got a decent offensive line. He's got some good weapons. I really like the Saints. Uh, Plus 135 to win this division. It doesn't pass the smell test. Everyone's talking about the other teams in this division. It just really feels like the Saints are getting overlooked, and I think we're going to look up uh, in December, and the Saints are going to be you know, three, four, four games clear of everyone else in this terrible division that had Every team have a losing record last year. Every team have a negative point differential last year. Now, I know the Falcons are much improved, but Desmond Ritter is still their quarterback, and I have not seen enough from him for me to put my money on him. Uh, You could say Bryce Young could, could easily take that title of best quarterback in this division from Derek Carr. You don't know until you see it, and the Panthers gave up a lot to move up to number one. They gave up their best receiver. They gave up a lot of draft capital, so I don't know that they have enough around Bryce Young yet uh, to be contenders in this division. Then, of course, at the bottom of the division, you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, yes, they still have some guys on that roster. They have Mike Evans. They have Chris Godwin. They have some guys on that defense, but this is a team that was built to win with Tom Brady, that was built to pass the ball five to 600 times a year to air it out. You can't do that anymore. You, like Whatever you think of Kyle Trask, Baker Mayfield, they're not Tom Brady. They're not equipped to be throwing that often. They're not equipped to just lead an air raid offense the way that Tom Brady did. And uh, I think you're going to see this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team take a step back. And it's kind of by design. Uh, this is, like I said, that roster is decent. If you put a talented quarterback on that team, they could be in contention very quickly. So with you know, with the likes of Caleb Williams and Drake May coming up in the draft, I think it would behoove the Buccaneers uh, to be bad next year. So I think that is what we are going to see. So uh, again, my bet for this one here, the Saints plus 135 to win the NFC South. My last underrated storyline. This one is going to be kind of quick. It's just a player and it's just play the over on his props, draft him in fantasy. I am loading up 
on Ramondre Stevenson. I think he is going to have an incredible season. Um, Over 1,000 rushing yards is his rushing total right now. We saw him hit that last year on just 210 attempts. Uh, He only had four starts last year. Damian Harris got the bulk of the carries. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson only averaged 12 carries per game last year, and he got to 1,000 yards. I think you're going to see that number go way up this year. I think you're going to see him catching passes out of the backfield. I think he's going to be the focal point of this offense. I would have liked it a little bit less had this team gotten DeAndre Hopkins, but this team loves to dink and dunk the ball. I think you're going to see Bill O'Brien utilize Ramondre Stevenson in a big way this year. I think he's going to have a 2016 David Johnson type of season. Now, I know the pushback has kind of been that, oh, well, uh, Belichick doesn't like to use a workhorse running back. I just I think you're going to see that change this year. I went back through it, and Belichick has never really had this level of talent at the running back position. You can go all the way back to Corey, Corey Dillon, but that was in a completely different NFL. Uh, you can look at Bill O'Brien's team. He's he's never really had this at when he was the offensive coordinator of the Patriots or when he was the head coach of the Texans. He never really had this type of running back at all. There's one season that you could say. Oh yeah, he had, you know, he had that level of player and that was his first season coaching the Texans when he had Arian Foster and Arian Foster played 13 games and was putting up all pro numbers before he got hurt. So, I mean, I don't want to put too much stock into that. It's one season. It's kind of an outlier, but it is the only time that Bill O'Brien has had a running back weapon like this at his disposal. So um, I am all over Ramondre Stevenson. Like I said, over 1,000 rushing yards. When his touchdown props come out, I'm going to be on the over for those as well. When his receiving props come out, give me everything on Ramondre Stevenson. If he has a bad year, I'm going to have a terrible fantasy year. I'm going to lose a couple of future bets. I am all in. He is my guy for this year. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, like I said, breakout season coming. Uh, I'm calling it right now. But uh, that is my last storyline for this podcast, like I said, three overrated, three underrated. Just to quickly recap, um, I'm playing the Jets to miss the playoffs at plus 110. I'm also playing the unders on Aaron Rodgers' yardage and touchdown totals. I'm playing the Ravens at plus 250 to win the AFC North. I am parlaying the Vikings and Giants to miss the playoffs. That plays out at plus 155. I am playing the Seattle Seahawks to win this division, uh, the NFC West. I played it at plus 220. Right now it's plus 200. I think you might see some a little bit of variation with this line. Some money could come in on the 49ers soon. Uh, I would take that plus 200. It could go the other way. You never know with these off-season markets. I am playing the Saints at plus 135 to win the NFC South. I also really like, there's another bet that you can play. It is the Saints and Falcons to finish 1-2 in some order. So it could be the Falcons finishing first, Saints finishing second, or flip-flopped. That pays out at plus 140. I actually really like that play as well. Like I said, I think the Bucks are going to have a down year this year, and I think the Panthers are as well. So I think there's pretty good value. Uh, you kind of guard yourself against what if Arthur Smith figures this out, B. John Robinson goes ballistic, and it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback for that Falcons team. They win the division anyway. I definitely think that's in the card. So if you play the the Saints-Falcons 1-2, you kind of safeguard yourself against that. You're still getting this about the same payout at plus 140. And finally, my last play is Ramondre Stevenson, over 1,000 rushing yards. Like I said, I think he's going to have a breakout season. Um, if you're playing fantasy football, I would draft him. Unless you're playing against me, then stay the hell away. And uh, you're not going to have a chance anyway because I'm going to be drafting him way too early. Uh, but that is going to do it for the podcast. Uh, sorry that it had to be a solo one. I really wanted to have some guests on for this. Hopefully, 
we get these technical issues figured out before the season starts. Until then, I'll keep pumping up these solo episodes. Thank you for listening, and I will see you guys next time.